Gale's open, they're away in the Golden Slipper, there's a great start, and Mick Mitt Basque on the extreme outside is about the first out, Jeff Boyle. Jagler on the outside, lunging, but Catlin opening just in front, Jagler trying desperately, can't reach him. Catlin opening has lasted to win the Doncaster by a hit to Jagler. This Iron podcast is brought to you by Racing New South Wales, Sky Racing and Inglis. Weanlings by several high-profile stallions will go under the hammer at the English Great Southern Sale on June 13th and 14th at Oakland's Junction. Weanlings by capitalist exceed and excel more than ready, zoo star, written tycoon, Piero, extreme choice, flying arty, Lonro and Dundeal are just a few of the sires represented. First season sires with progeny in the sale include Justify, trapeze artist, Grunt, written by Brave Smash, Harry Angel, National Defence, Sioux Nation and Mendelssohn. This is the sale where horses like Gitra, Montefilia, Behemoth and On The Bubbles made their first public appearances. For those who enjoy the challenge of buying weanlings at the right price and turning them over for handsome profits the following year, this sale has been described as a pinhooker's paradise. 408 weanlings will be on offer over two days at the 2021 Great Southern Sale, June 13th and 14th at Oakland's Junction in Melbourne. Noel Callow's a bloke who's been acting on impulse for most of his 46 years. Many times his instincts have proven correct, especially on the racecourse where he's been known to snatch victory from the jaws of defeat. On other occasions, those impulses have worked against him. The callow instincts kicked in again just a couple of months ago when he suddenly decided to leave Melbourne and try his luck on the Gold Coast. Before leaving Melbourne, he rode Pippi in the William Reed and he stopped off in Sydney to ride Luna Fox in the Rose Hill Guineas. Both of them finished out of the money. Nobody knew Null was on the coast until he turned up at the barrier trials offering his services to local trainers. News soon spread that a multiple Group 1 winning jockey with years of experience at the top level had arrived in town. To say he's taken off in Queensland is an understatement. 17 winners since the 1st of April for a wide range of stables, including several doubles and trebles. As Noel joins us on the podcast on Sunday morning, he's still pretty sore following an incident in the barrier before the first race at the Gold Coast on Saturday. He had to forfeit rides when the doctor stood him down. Let's see how he's feeling. Noel, thanks for joining us. Morning, John. So, mate, what was the damage? Uh, your wife told me a badly cork thigh was probably the worst one. Yeah, that was about it. Um, I rode a horse for Gillian Heinrich and it, um, it uh, played up in the barriers and unfortunately I got squashed between uh, its uh, body and, uh, and, and and my leg. So um, I thought we got out of it pretty good with a corked, uh, corked uh, thigh. So um, mm. I feel like a bit of a footballer. Well, you had to stand down from a total of seven rides, I think. Did any of them win? Yeah, one got the cash uh, for um, John Smurden. Um, mm. Andrew Mellon picked it up and uh, actually gave it a good ride, so uh, mm. uh, I wouldn't be complaining there, so it was no. it won good. That horse that caused the damage is a five-year-old maiden. You think he'd know better? 
Yeah, well, um, Gillian, uh, she's been great to me uh, since I've been up here. She's given me lots of rides also with Maddie Dunn and she SMSed me after uh, when I was my wife was taking me home and, and to see if I was okay. And uh, mm. I said, uh, I never want to see that horse again, Gillian. But um, anyway, <laughs> the show goes on. So what's your self-diagnosis? When do we see you back at the races? I'm pretty confident I'll ride. I sat in a hyperbaric chamber this mm. morning um, for an hour and um, – I, uh, I'll be riding uh, Wednesday at Doombin, so I've got a nice ride for uh, Gillian there, which should be getting mm. the cash. So uh, mm. uh, it's not the one that was in sad, sad day, so uh, this one's mm. a bit better. So uh, I reckon I'll be looking forward to get there. I think I've got about four rides at Doombin. Well, Noel, you're 46 and you've just embarked on a whole new adventure. Last Friday, you had eight rides at Casino on the Northern Rivers, one win and four placings. Yeah, the first time I've been there, I didn't know they actually had a race there uh, twice a year, and um, I'm, I'm told they're spending a lot of money on the on the track and the facilities to to have more meetings there. But um, it was an experience. Um, yeah, it was good. Uh, happy to ride a winner there. Um, it was good. That was Chris Munster's hometown. You may not realise casino. I, I did know that. I did know that. Mm. Um, yeah. Um, there you go. Now, how did this all happen? Did you just look at Renee one morning in Melbourne and say, let's get out of here, we're going to Queensland? Yeah, basically, um, I was uh, battling along in the provincials at, uh, in, in Victoria and um, and the kids are older now. My boy's 21, Zach, he's a plumber um, mm. and he's got a girlfriend who does his own thing and my daughter's actually moved to Adelaide um, to be an apprentice jockey to John O'Connor. Um, mm. So we were sitting there looking at each other and said, it's winter. Why don't we come up to uh, the Gold Coast and uh, enjoy our life? And uh, mm. I've been here about, I think, about two and a half months. And uh, I'll tell you what, John, me and the wife have enjoyed. Yeah, that's lovely, Noel. Now, tell me about Stacey, uh, your daughter, who's with John O'Connor in South Australia. Uh, I've read somewhere she's very, very keen on the idea. Yeah, well, I was actually, I wasn't happy, not, not happy with it. You've got to let your kids do what, what they're happy with. And uh wasn't over the moon about it, but she got 19 uh, um you know, HSC uh, and um, mm. and she got into a law course and um, I got out of most of those parenting things, those parenting nights and um, she went to get some awards for, for the end of um, end of the college and um, she texted me and said, Dad, I want to be a jockey. And I said, I'll <laughs> talk to you when you when, we, when you get home. So um, <laughs> uh, anyway, so she, uh, I, I thought I thought to myself, well, I'll send her to Frankie Stockdale's uh, down there at Packenham because uh, – it's a bit rough and tough, and she'll come home being a sport little suburban kid with a tail between her legs. And um, yeah. I think she's got a bit of me in her, John, because she loved it. And um, yeah. I thought I've got to fix this up. So she ended up at Mick Kent's for about uh, probably twelve months, and uh, yeah. she didn't get into the. They have a different program in Victoria. They have like they only take six kids, and hmm. I was a bit disappointed, a bit displeasured by it. I thought, you know, I've given twenty-seven years of uh, my life to racing, and um, I thought it'd be like a footballer, like the, the father-daughter rule or whatever. But uh, anyway. Okay. Uh, it, it didn't happen, so um, we decided to send her. My parents live in Adelaide, so we decided yeah. to send her to John O'Connor in, in Adelaide, and she's done about, I reckon she would have done about eight, uh, 80 jump outs, and, um, yeah, mm. she sends them all through, and um, she's going well. But um, yeah. I, I'd say she'd be riding uh, around Christmas time in Adelaide. Yeah. Now, can you see a bit of talent there? Well, she's got a good seat. She's got better hands than me, but um, <laughs> it's actually funny, John. Um, when she was doing jump outs here for Mick Kennett, um, at Cranbourne, uh, I was at the races at Kilmore one day and a, a trainer, Brian McGrath, said to me, oh, your daughter child won for me this morning, uh, Noel. I said, 
Uh, and, and he said, she's more polite than you. And I said, yeah, give her 27 years doing the job and see how she goes. <laughs> Absolutely. We'll see. Now, you tell me you can't ride under 56. You don't want to ride under 56 without knocking yourself about and you're really not too worried about going to Doomban or Eagle Farm on Saturdays. You're just happy to stay at the coast. Yeah, well, I, I, I told all the trainers here... Um, that I just want to ride at the Gold Coast every Saturday, um, and it's worked in my favour. Um, I not get the pick, but I I ride for most of the trainers here. Um, I haven't ridden for Costa yet because he's got uh, obviously uh, Jag, mm-hmm. um, and uh, but most of them I get the, the pick off. So it's it's worked out really good. So mm-hmm. so far so good. But um, I'm enjoying my life here. I'm not semi-retired, John, but um, I, when the gates open, I still get the white line fever. But um, mm. I'm, I'm actually enjoying my uh, time. My wife's happy. I'm happy. Mm. What more do you want? No, oh, absolutely. Well, you grew up in Adelaide, Noel, where your dad, Kevin, was a tremendously successful jockey. He had a good strike rate right through his career. He won a Group 1, the Sires Produce on Unique Dancer, probably one of the best horses he ever rode. He won eight races on that horse. Yeah, he... Um, he, he, he was he was very good. He, uh, my father, he, like I said, he rode for probably thirty years, um, and uh, yeah, Unique Dancer was was really special to him because he actually beat Johnny Letts, who was the the whiz kid uh, back then, and um, mm. uh, yeah, he was pretty happy with that. And he actually gave it not a bad ride. I've seen the replay, but um, yeah, no, my father's um, he's enjoying his life now, and um, and he's put that in the past. But uh, I bang the video on every now and then just to stir him up. But uh, yeah, no, he's enjoying his life. Um, him and Margaret. My mother. You were about nine when he was riding Unique Dancer. Did you go to the races with him then? Yeah, I used to go, and uh, my my auntie Betty used to used to take me to the races, and she used to send me in the jockey's room because it was a bit bit different back then in the in the uh, the, the late eighties. And um, I um, she used to send me in there to get tips off my father and the other jockeys, but uh, <laughs> I don't think they won. I don't think she won much money off them. But anyway, yeah, you were initially apprenticed to Pat Barnes the man who won 10 races with the great horse Rubiton. Now, by your own admission, you were a spoiled, cheeky kid and Pat moved you on pretty quickly. I think Dad arranged for you to go to Victoria to an old mate of his in Eddie Lang. Yeah, that's correct, uh, John, but he had a bad week that week, uh, uh, Pat Barnes, because uh, Rubiton did a tendon and uh, I think five days later, little snotty-nosed kid, 13 and a half, Noel Callow turned up and, uh, well, <laughs> put a shock to him anyway. But I, I, I caught up with Pat um, and his wife, Elga, about um, oh, about three months ago uh, when yeah. I was in Adelaide. And um, uh, they're, they're great people, just great people. Um, they're, they're well into their 80s and, and they're mm. just they're switched on and, and they're just, just lovely people. And yeah. what a horse, Rubiton. That's one of my – I don't know, when you're a kid – um, you think it's probably a bit better than what it is. I don't know, but but gee, when Rubiton's one of my favourite horses, that Cox Plate with Harry White on, um, yeah. I could probably reel off the call for you now. But um, mm. yeah, outstanding. I've never ridden one as good, but uh, anyway, good man, Pat. Let's establish at this stage of the interview what sort of temperament you had at the time you went to Pat Barnes. Could you give a bit of lip? Could you? Yeah, we'll we'll put it this way, John. I was probably like that horse I rode yesterday at Gold Coast in the barriers. Uh, I was uh, I was a kid, spoilt, taken to Disneyland, uh, never went out without a feed, had everything I wanted. Mm. I think I was six years old eating uh, oysters, killed Patrick, and a and a chocolate mousse. I didn't miss out, so uh, <laughs> they sent me to the stables, and uh, I didn't think it was much good, John. But uh, you know, we, we we finally got there, and um, 
and we hardened to the game and uh, yeah, but it, I wasn't I wasn't uh, afraid to give a bit of lip, but uh, mm. I got a few backhanders and it uh, straightened me out, didn't it? For <laughs> half. So you went from Pat Barnes to Eddie Lang in Victoria. Yeah, I did. Um, my father um, uh, knew a jockey called Des Coleman, who was a good jockey in Adelaide, and he, mm. he rode a good horse, uh, Countess Maritza, for Eddie Lang. Yeah. Um, so they knew that was the association. So I was I would have been 14, mm. and um, they put me on a bus and sent me from Adelaide to Melbourne, and um, I went to Eddie, and I reckon I was with Eddie about two years um, mm. and really enjoyed my time there, and um, I still see Eddie. Um, he... Uh, he actually did a bit of – in his 90s, and he actually uh, built a brick letterbox for me about oh, six months ago. He's a legend. Goodness me. Then you went to the Gippsland, Noel. You went down to Sale uh, to Ron Crawford, but you didn't last long there. No, no, I went to Ron Crawford's at Sale, and uh, I remember Eddie put me on the on the tram uh, – sorry, the train at uh, Dandenong, and we went up to Sale. Mm. And uh, I was there – I think I lasted about – Two weeks. Uh, <laughs> I was a bit, I was a bit stiff because uh, uh, I'm actually. He went away for a weekend and he said to me, um, "You've got the, the girl foreman's going to organise horses. You've got one job to do. You've got to fill up that cow's trough. It'll take half the day to fill up, um, and um, and then turn the tap off anyway." So I went and played golf with another apprentice, and I got home about five pm at night. The whole paddock's full of water, and he said, "Out the gate. That was it. I was done." Oh, the cow's water trough, you mean? Yeah, the cow's water trough, yeah. It, mm. Like it took a, probably half the day to fill up and um, like I said, I, I, I put the hose in there and turned it on full blast and uh, mm. went out and played golf and got home and, well, I was out the gate. I, I think, I had a, I think he, was, he wasn't a big bloke. I had about a size six up my backside and out I went. <laughs> <laughs> well, then you've got to start with Alan Douch at Terralgan. I think Alan passed away only recently. Was this around the time you rode your first winner at Bensdale, Loving Joy? No, no. I um, when I was with Eddie Lang, I rode my first winner uh, uh, at Bansdale, and um, getting back to the sport, little brat. I didn't think that was much good either. I was, it was three hours in a float, and I was in the little divider with mm. banging chains all the way there. And um, I rode this horse called Loving Joy. I remember Dave Connors, who uh, trained it. He, he said to me, um, "How many winners you ridden?" I said, "I haven't." And I, he, <laughs> I think he halved his bet. But anyway, I didn't help it. But it, the, the horse loving joy carried me home, and uh, yeah. yeah, I just sat there and hung on, and um, didn't know what was going on. But uh, no, no, I was with Eddie then, and then um, uh, I, when I went to Crawford's, and um, yeah, and so on. Yep, you were with Alan Douch for eighteen months, and then it was into town to join Mick Price, who was then at Epsom, and you spent three years with Mick, suggesting that your manners had improved considerably. Yeah, my manners improved a lot. Uh, I, I think I'd ridden about sixty winners, and I must say, to um, Alan only passed away about oh, about six weeks ago, and um, mm. he, he'd never won a Tarragon Cup. And uh, anyway, I won it about three years ago, and I, I gave him the cup, um, mm. my, my trophy, and he, he was wrapped. And um, yeah, he he was a really good boss. He he really hardened me to the game. He was he was tough, fair. He was a ranger of the um, of, of Tarragon. We'd get up at 5 a.m. and chase cows around that are loose and that to take the pound and um, mm. yeah that 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 made me a that made me a, a better person he did um, so rest in peace Alan he was he was a star and finally to Robbie Lang with whom you finished your time and with whom you formed a great friendship and a great association yeah um, uh, Mick was good to me um, 
he, he, he only had about 10 horses back then, and mm. amazing like, how, how big he is now. He had about 10 horses in. Mm. He had a horse called Toll Bell. Uh, it's actually around the Melbourne Cup. I think the year Guinness Crop uh, won it. Mm. Um, and I won on it. I think I won a group three on it, Queen's Cup or something in Flemington. And, um, mm. yeah, it's amazing to see his, his rise in the, in the training ranks uh, mm. from back then. And he's a hard worker and, and good on him. He only lives about uh, 10 minutes from my house in, uh, mm. in Melbourne uh, next to Moody there. So, um, mm. yeah, he's a friend. Right, and then to Robbie Lang, who was the sixth trainer to whom you'd been connected. Yeah, well, I lost my way a little bit there. I think I was about well, – I'd done it since uh, since I was 14 and uh, I got to about 20 and a half and I, I lost my way a bit. I um, I, uh, I just I, – I was burnt out. They didn't have burnout back then, John. It was just uh, – you just keep going. But um, mm. I was burnt out and um, – <laughs> I ended up riding over the jumps. Uh, I went to Robbie Lang's and he had me riding over the jumps. I had, mm. I think I had 12 goes. I think my 10th mm. uh, go, I rode a horse for the late Peter Hayes in Adelaide at Victoria Park. And, um, mm. well, I'm no Paddy Payne. I, 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 I'm a jockey. I'm not a horseman. And, and you've got to be a horseman to be a jumps jockey. And, jeez, uh, <laughs> I, I found out, I, I think I got over about three at Victoria Park that day. And, um, it touched the one in the straight, and I just went straight over its head, and I, I thought I was going to die, and I said, mm. you can jam this. So uh, I had two more goes, and I'll tell you what, uh, oh, I was, I, I, I didn't help him anyway. <laughs> no, no, you're pleased to get away from it. And a, a couple of years later, I imagine, you were about 24 when the bug bit you again. You got your weight down, you reapplied for your licence, which you were granted, and you made a comeback riding mainly on the provincial and country tracks and desperate to ride winner's null, you flouted the rules and you were suspended many times. Yeah, I, I got rubbed out a few times. I didn't have much respect for my fellow rider, which looking back now was, was pretty silly, but getting back to when I retired for probably two and a half years, um, I, I turned 21 and um, and I got all the money from my apprentice bank and I thought, well, I don't have to ever work again, do I? So <laughs> I went to America and um, backpacked around there for probably oh, four or five months and um, mm-hmm. went to all the sporting events and uh, I, oh, the money ran out pretty quick, John, so I thought, hang on a minute, I've got to get my hands dirty again and do this. So, yeah, I did. <laughs> I, I said to my father, I said, maybe if I just, you know, just uh, have a couple of rides a week and just do what I do and uh, lucky for me it snowballed and um, – yeah, I, it, it, I ended up riding 130 winners, I think, for one year. So yeah. it was amazing. I didn't think it had happened at the time, but uh, mm. I don't know. I just had down bum up and I was younger and I bounced a bit easier than what I bounced now and um, mm. it was good. You're basically a 63-kilogram bloke who's had to live at 55 to be a jockey and you've been a one-meal-a-day man for years and that meal usually comprises brown rice and vegetables. Does that still apply? Yeah, that's correct. Um, obviously, I have a splurge uh, up here with the wife. We go out. Um, we're not going to lock ourselves down. But, um, yeah, that's that's just the thing. That Ron Johnson, uh, a guy called Ron Johnson, he's a, a fitness mm. guru. He, he actually put me onto that. And um, I um, I just abide by that. And I, I know what I've got to do. And, um, mm. and I do it. And um, it's my job, you know. Mm. You just mentioned that 130 winners in a season. You had a couple of terrific seasons in the early 2000s. You were leading Victorian jockey in 2000, 2001, and then again in 02, 03. Uh, two wonderful years. All the sacrifices paid off. Yeah, they did. Um, and, and it was my life back then, whereas now it's, you know, I enjoy doing it. It's my job, um, but it's about lifestyle and and 
and obviously paying the bills. But back then it was dead set my life. It was the band all. And my family probably got left a little bit behind. Mm. Um, but, uh, yeah, that, that was what I wanted to be and that's what I wanted to do. And I suppose it set a platform up to, to be in a position that I am now. So, um, mm. yeah, that's what it is. You had a flirtation with Tasmanian racing around 0203. You won a Launceston Cup on a good old horse called St Andrews. You won a Derby for Peter Moody on Moona Brook, and you won a Tasmanian Oaks for Rick Hoare Lacey. You were very sweet on the Apple Isle at that stage. Yeah, well, it was it was nice going over there um, um, back then. Um, I wouldn't say so now. I, I had another crack about well, a couple of years ago, and it was a bit rough for me, John, but um, mm. it, it, it was good. Um, yeah, I went for those carnivals, and I was lucky enough to ride for those those trainers like the Melbourne horses dominating Tasmania. They're just a, a, a cut above the rest. And mm. like I said, I was lucky enough to get on them. I wish I had have um, probably been a little bit nicer to Peter Moody. He's a friend of mine, but I, I might have gone on that black caviar later in life. But anyway, <laughs> that's, that's that's a sliding doors, isn't it? Oh, it sure is. Early in 2003, and, and I know this one gave you a huge thrill, you won an Adelaide Magic Millions for your old mate Robbie Lang on a horse called Dress Code. Yeah, I did, um, and that was that was great because I've I've only ever ridden in one Adelaide Cup. I've always wanted to win the Adelaide Cup, but just the the handicap scale, the the lightweights of I've had one ride and it was it, it finished down the track. So I'd love to win that race, but the next best one was the, the Adelaide Magic Millions, obviously being from Adelaide and that, and to, to win it for Robbie Lang. I remember uh, Robbie Lang said he didn't tell me at the time, but the the owner Peter Sidwell said. There's a big bonus here if Keller gets this thing home, and um, mm. he, even if he's got to do what he's got to do. And um, he didn't tell me that, Robert Lane, because he knew I would anyway. And um, mm. I think I bowled a couple over, but he got the cash, so it was good. <laughs> Around the same time, you won a lovely little Group Two double on a horse called Casual Pass for Matthew Ellerton. The Stutt, the Stutt Stakes, and the Norman Robinson. He he did win a couple of Group Ones later. This horse, but I think you missed out on him, didn't you? Later at, at that stage. Yeah, he he was a good horse. He was a three year old, um, just a dominant three year old. Um, uh, he was going only average until Matty put the blinkers on him, and he, he just he just went to another level. You you did win a Group Three on the horse later, the Easter Cup. I did, and he actually beat me in a Group One. Nashua Willa beat me in a Group One. I think it was the Aura. I rode a good horse called Pompey Ruler, and mm. and I went a little bit early, John. And um, Casual Pass now be right on the on the line. Old Nash, he got me. Um, and probably one of my favourite jockeys, Nashua Willa too. Mm. Uh, pl- plenty say that, Noel. He's got a lot of fans. Yeah, no, uh, if I had a horse, uh, if I if I ever retire and own a horse, and he's still riding, I'll put Henry Willa on any day of the week. Mm. He's hard to get past, isn't he? Yeah, well, uh, I'll rate him very highly. 2003, your then-manager, Des O'Keefe, moved swiftly when he heard that a Sydney trainer, Noel Mayfield-Smith, was looking for a suitable jockey for a horse called in top swing in the Caulfield Guineas. Hugh Bowman had won the Golden Rose on him in Sydney, but he was unavailable for Caulfield. How did that play out? Yeah, well, well, at the time, Des O'Keefe had... uh, Three jockeys. He had Brett Preble, Patrick Payne, um, now the trainer, and myself. Um, Patrick Payne rode uh, in top swing in the in the Prelude, the uh, Crawford Guineas Prelude, and it ran, the horse ran second. But he was committed to um, face value. Uh, Brett Preble was committed to Elstrom, and um, obviously Des Des uh, rang Noel and said, um, 
uh, Mayfield Smith and said, uh, I've, I've got Noel Callow available to ride the horse. And um, and he sent, it through, sent through my record. Um, it was facts back in those days, John. That's I feel old. Mm. Um, and um, anyway, Noel Mayfield Smith asked Des O'Keefe, how many group one winners has this kid ridden? Mm. And Des O'Keefe said, I, I faxed it through on the second page. <laughs> obviously, obviously, there was no second page, John. But um, <laughs> I was um, – <laughs> I know, it was just it drew a nice barrier, and it's it's amazing when you talk because in top swing only raced once after this, and he, he wasn't a good horse. He was just in form at the right time and uh, had the mm. right run, beating a horse like uh, Elstrom. And um, there's a few good horses in that in that Caulfield Guineas that year, but I just drew a good gate, had a soft run, yeah. and um, yeah, and the rest is history. So I was I was over the moon because that's all I ever wanted, um, mm. and uh, I did it. So um, yeah, it's good. The horse was owned by a wonderful bloke, the late Bill Fisher. I presume you got to meet him. Absolute champion, Billy. Billy died about, um, I'd say, six years ago. Yes. Uh, he used right. to live near um, Luna Park there, uh, near the, near the um, uh, opposite side of the uh, Opera House. And, uh, yeah, I mm. went to Billy's house a couple of times. I actually had to show him one day. You can rewind on the Foxtel. I had to show him how to do it. He was wrapped with that too. It was like a new toy. <laughs> <laughs> now, we mentioned Des O'Keefe, Noel who retired recently. You tell me Des was a lot more than a jockey manager. Yeah, he was um he was he was a, a psychiatrist, a, a marriage counselor, uh, he did <laughs> speed maps for me, um, form, everything. He was he was he took me to another level, uh, Des O'Keefe at the time. Um, um, outstanding and he, I, now he's the uh, in charge of the Australian Jockeys Association. So he used to be mm. in charge of the Victorian ones, but uh, mm. he's got a few He's got a few kilometres under his belt, so he decided instead of going to 300 meetings a year, he goes to about four now, so good good luck to him. For many years, Des campaigned tirelessly in several different roles for better pay, uh, better conditions and improved safety for Australian jockeys. He retired only last year. Yeah, he's no deal. He knows his uh, stuff, Des O'Keefe. And, um, you know, he, he used to work for John Maher as a racing manager back in the day too and... Um, I think he's one of the first jockey managers. Um, so no, he's uh, he knows his stuff, and um, and he's a gentleman. The year after that Caulfield Guineas win, you landed a contract in Macau, which turned out to be a bitter sweet experience. You rode plenty of winners, four in a day on one occasion, but you also broke a leg. How bad was the break? Um, yeah, well, Macau. Well, the break was no good because uh, the medical attention was. I thought I was in World War Three with the put on a stretcher, and um, yeah, there was it was it was pretty ordinary, but it, it was what it was, and uh, we got through. But it's it's disappointing because back then, um, two thousand four, there was there was fifteen to seventeen hundred horses in Macau, um, whereas now there's about three hundred, um, and you had Mick Kent's training there, and um, uh, there was a lot of uh, Gary Moore was there, um, but now it's just uh, it's gone down the gurgler, and I think it's been. I went there about. Oh, I reckon I went there about a year and a half ago. And it was they raced once a week, uh, six races on a program. No one there. In two thousand and five, a dream came true, when you won the Group One Australian Guineas on Al Maher for the All Conquering Waterhouse Stable. You were sufficiently delighted to perform the Frankie Dottori Star Jump in the winner's circle. Yeah, that was that was good. That one, I like that one because. The race, actually, because Des O'Keefe again. Um, I'd just come back from Macau, and um, and he, 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 all his jockeys were following it. And I remember Ollie got off 
I was offered it and got off it. He rode one of Mayfield Smiths, and I was, wasn't the last one standing, but I think of the of the top sort of ten jockeys in Victoria at the time. Uh, I was there to be picked, and um, no one else wanted to ride the horse, and um, they all were committed to other ones, and I was just lucky enough. Des, you know, waved his magic wand and got me on the horse, and um, mm. I, I I don't think I'd had a ride. I might have had a couple of rides for Gay, but I hadn't. Um, had much ridden through much, and mm. looking back, it's probably the best horse over road as a Group One winner in Australia. Ah. Um, it, it was it was a good horse. He only raced one more time after that. He ran in the Doncaster, I think Darren Beepen rode him, mm. and uh, I think he finished maybe fifth or something. And it was a wet track, and um, he um, he went to stud, and he's done very well at stud. But yeah, he's, he, that day he drew a nice gate, but he sprinted off a fast tempo, and um, mm. yeah, like I said, he's he's the best one of. Best group one winner, of, uh, as in class-wise, um, mm. I've ridden in Australia. But um, we'll uh, we'll see if we can find one at the Gold Coast that goes any good. <laughs> in the same year, 05, you were tickled pink to win the Victoria Derby on Benicio for Lee Friedman coming from well back in the field. Yeah, well, I, um, I won on him at Mooney Valley in a restricted race on a Friday night. And um, for some reason, uh, Lee said, Stephen King's going to ride in the in the Amy Vars, and um, he'd give it an absolute butcher. <laughs> and mm. I was in the jockey's room. I think I had to ride the Moody Valley Cup. And uh, the the guy at the door said, uh, "Lee Freeman wants to see at the door." And I went there. He said, "What are you riding in the Derby?" I said, "Nothing." He said, "You're riding Benicio." Mm. Um, so um, yeah, I, I, I got on him. He was a ten to one shot, and um, that day was very interesting too because I think I had about five or six rides on the day, um, and I. My first ride was in, I think it was race two. It's a straight race. There was six runners, John. Mm-hmm. I rode a horse called Queen of the Hill, mm-hmm. drew barrier one. Like, how can you stuff it up? Mm-hmm. John, it's still trying to get out now. <laughs> it should have won by should have won by a furlong. Yeah. Anyway, I came back in. It was a Guri horse. Um, and um, I forget the race. Uh, boarding, I think it was, give me a spray. And Lee Freeman gave me a spray. And um, mm-hmm. he, I think I had a ride for Gay later on. And he didn't. Lee didn't even talk to me, um, and I came out to ride in the derby. I think it was race seven. Mm. I came out to ride Benicio in the derby, and there was a few owners standing there, and they didn't really say much. And Lee, when the bell went, Lee just said to me, put this in the first three and don't hit it with the stick too much. Mm. I had it second last day. Johnny didn't miss it from about the 600 and it won, so good. <laughs> so you were right and he was wrong. No, nah, he, he was. he's a great trainer. He's got the skills to play the bill as Lee Friedman, and I'll tell you what, he's Moved up to the Gold Coast, and she's. Uh, I'll be happy if I get on one of his horses because, like I said, uh, he's very, very good at his job. He's no spring chicken, but either am I. Now, Noel, uh, this is the horse that our listeners will want to hear your comments on. In 2006, you were thrilled and privileged to have four rides on Apache Cat. For a win in the Australian Guineas, you were placed in a Memsey and a Dato Tan Chim Nam. I think you led in the Guineas. I did, John. Uh, it wasn't the plan. I spoke to Greg Urell. Um, we spoke before the race, and um, he 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 jumped clean from the gates, but he, he just he had the blinkers on. And he just uh, bolted with me, and mm. I, I reckon I put about I don't know, maybe four four and a half on him early, and I'm just mm. sitting there half swinging, going, "Oh, this is no good." Mm. Anyway, then he came back to me. Um, and it proved what a good horse he was. Like, it, like the way he raced in that race, he should never have won. Darcy Brahma had me on toast at the at the furlong, and just just proved how good he was. And um, uh, can you believe he ran in a cox plate? <laughs> like, wow. Yeah. Anyway, he was a champion sprinter, and um, that's the only thing I missed out on going to Singapore. But um, 
Uh, I was happy enough. To, oh, I'm happy that the, the sliding doors thing again there. I was happy enough with Singapore mm. compared to winning all those races on Apache Cat. But yeah, yeah. I had the pleasure of winning on him. But mm. wow, he's a three-year-old winning, winning Australian Guineas and he's, and he's a champion sprinter. Like, that'll do me. And one of the most popular horses to ever race in Australia. People loved him. I reckon he would have got sold to Asia, but I think he's with all his uh, white markings and that. They, they shy away from that, so mm. bad luck to them. <laughs> Your fifth Australian Group 1 win was only recently, 2017, on Montoya's Secret in the Vinery Stud Stakes at Rose Hill for Leon and Troy Corstens. Pretty tight finish, but you got there. Yeah, it was good, uh, John. I was lucky to pick up the ride. Um, Stephen Arnold had been riding the horse and he, he went on at Pakenham and, and Mooney Valley and um, actually Stephen took a contract up with uh, Sue and Gudger in Mauritius, so I came mm. available and... Um, yeah, yeah, I, I had a, not a bad run in the race. It drew a good barrier, so it was pretty hard to stuff up. But, um, yeah, it got there and there was a bit of bit of carnage in the straight and um, we copped a bit of a holiday. But, uh, oh, well, I look at the trophy on my um, on my mantelpiece now and I'm happy with the month laid off. They can't take that away from you. They certainly can't, John, but uh, I think my wife bought a horse float for my daughter uh, and the money went. So I got the trophy, but the money went, John. <laughs> you won a number of Group 1s in other countries, uh, six in Malaysia, in fact, and four in Singapore, and that was the big four, the Lion City Cup, the Singapore Derby, the Cranji Mile and the Patrons Bowl, and they're just as hard to win there as they are in Australia. Yeah, 100%, John. Um, I enjoyed my time in Singapore. It was uh, it was really good, um, and I wouldn't give that back forever. That, that set me right up uh, financially. Mm. Um, and yeah, I was outstanding, and, and I got to, to ride for one of the best trainers I've ever ridden for, um, who's retired now, Laurie Laxon. Yeah. Absolute star, absolute, the best trainer I've ridden for. Uh, Freeman mm. second, but, um, wow, he was good. Yeah, you've mentioned that to me before, that you had high regard for Laurie Laxon as a horseman. Yeah, well, he, he was he was no, no stranger when he left to go to Singapore. He won a Melbourne Cup with Empire Rose, um, you know, along with multiple hundreds and hundreds of races. But, uh, mm. yep, he's the best I've ridden for and um, he's in uh, New Zealand at the moment, old Loz. So uh, mm. I spoke to him a couple of weeks ago and I said, mate, you got to have a shave. He said, yeah, right, all right, I'll do that. And, um, <laughs> he's enjoying his life anyway. Now, just sit there for a moment while we clear a commitment on the podcast and we'll be back with Noel Callow after this. From July the 1st, 10 race programs will become the norm at Sydney's Saturday race meetings. This is the result of the introduction of midway races for horses trained in the smaller metro and provincial stables. Midway races will carry $100,000 in prize money, as will the tab highways up from $75,000, while normal Saturday races will go to $130,000. Country Sky 1 races will go to $24,000, Sky 2 races to $15,000, and Country Non-Tab to $10,000. Another 20 meetings will be added to the Country Showcase Series, where minimum stakes will be $30,000. Feature races to receive a prize money boost are the Epsom to 1.5 million and the time-honoured Villiers goes from 250 to 750,000. The English sales this year have produced unbelievable figures at both ends of the market, a clear indicator 
that many new owners are coming into the industry as individuals, as members of smaller ownership groups or as members of larger syndicates formed by recognised syndication companies. You don't have to own winks to cover all X's and to have a lot of fun in town, on the provincials or on the country circuit. There's never been a better time to go racing in New South Wales. You had a very successful stint in Mauritius in 2016, which ended on a sour note when you were charged with not allowing a horse to run on its merits, resulting in a three-month suspension and a pretty hefty fine. They didn't miss you, did they? No, they didn't, but it's it's, it's very different. Uh, Mauritius is very different to Australian racing. It's a uh, it's run by the government, uh, the trainers. Um, there's about 12 trainers there. They contract you to ride for them so that you come to an agreement how much money they're going to pay you per salary per month. The prize money is irrelevant. You you, uh, you don't get any of the prize money. It's just your um, retainer and you only ride um, the, that, that trainer's horses. You don't ride anyone else's horses. So mm. it's very different. It's it's probably one of the best atmospheres I've ever ridden in, in my career. Um, mm. The 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 trainers, um, they're like football teams. They've got supporters with flags. and It's it's once a week racing every Saturday, mm. um, and it is just Melbourne Cup day every day, and you can't walk the streets. Everyone knows who you are, mm. um, and uh, sometimes that works in your favour, John. Sometimes it doesn't. Mm. It worked in my favour a lot. Um, but uh, it is outstanding place. Um, with the suspension, oh geez, I got better nose, John. Like mm. anyway, but it, like I said, it's it, it it's what it is. I had to cop it on the chin, um, uh, and you move on. Mm. Two thousand and sixteen was Annus Horribilis for you, a terrible year. Now, Noel, I've got to touch on this experience because it's part of the story, and you tell me you're happy to talk about it. You put on weight after the Mauritius suspension. And you were back in Malaysia working with the man you mentioned earlier, Ron Johnson in Penang, trying to shed weight. At the same time, you're dealing with taxation issues in Malaysia and you'd been told not to leave the country until those issues were resolved. So here you are, half-starved, very depressed, and you decide to get on the drink one day. Totally intoxicated, you borrow a passport belonging to somebody else and you head to Kuala Lumpur Airport where you book on a flight to Melbourne. Now, somehow you got through the first security gate but not the second one. They grabbed you and it it got a bit out of hand, didn't it? Yeah, but we have to probably rephrase that because I don't know if I borrowed his passport. I think I stole it, John, because <laughs> how do you borrow someone's passport? Yeah, that's but, um, it, true. Yeah, it, was, it was horrific and... Um, it was uh, my own fault. I got no one else to blame bar myself. Um, I put my hand up. Uh, in hindsight, it probably did me the world of good because I got a bit of uh, Malaysia is very different um, to Australia, and um, you get around a little bit like King Gallo. And I think I might have just got a bit ahead. Of, oh, I know I got ahead of myself, John. And um, mm. you know what? I got a fair old kick up the backside, and it did me the world of good. So mm. um, anyway, you, you see life in another um, aspect, and. Uh, I enjoy sleeping in my bed at the moment uh, uh, every night. Uh, John, anyway, put it that way, the concrete floor wasn't much fun. <laughs> no. Now, once the court case was over, you had to pay two separate fines. Did it cost you much? 
cost me about five hundred dollars for having the passport that wasn't mine. Mm. Um, I'll mention his name too because he's a friend of mine, Shane Edwards. Sorry, mate. I, mm. I caused him some grief, uh, poor old Shane, but um, he still talks to me, so that's that's a that's a friend. But um, I don't know. I I, I actually noticed. I saw him. He's, he's in Melbourne now, working for Tony Otterbrake um, at Cape Shank, and uh, went round his house for a coffee and. Um, there was a little safe there, and it had his passport in there. So um, you'll be all right now. <laughs> well, eventually you get back to Melbourne and to the life of a professional jockey. Last year, 2020, trouble finds you again. Firstly, the stewards charge you with not allowing a horse called Grand Pope to run on its merits in a race at Benalla. You mounted a very strong defence but it went on and on and on. It was a long time before you were finally given a month. Yeah, um, I did. It was the first race at Benalla. Um, it, was, it wasn't It was a good ride. There was no malice. Um, I'll put my hand up and say if there was, there was no malice. It was a lazy ride. Um, I was disappointed for a run a couple of times um, and then, I, I, I was going to put myself in a dangerous position in the straight, and I was thinking, righto, so if I go in there and hit the deck, I'm out for maybe three months. Mm. If I go in there and I do get through, if if I do get through, mm. I'm going to get $350 if I win this race. And I just was a bit careful. Mm. And um, and then the last bit, um, I I didn't I didn't knock him around because the race was all over. But um, I didn't agree with the decision. But um, uh, it's, it's, it's what it is. And I did, you know what, I did be month off. And um, I came back and uh, and uh, and did it again. So just I started riding winners again. So that's what you do. You just keep turning up and doing your best. Now, Noel, there was a race fall at Geelong around the same time. Was that before or after the Benalla affair? Uh, it was in between. I think in between the uh, it was before the suspension, but it was ongoing. But mm. I was riding a horse for John Hawks at um, at Geelong, and. It was a nice and quiet horse, and I just—I should have just—it was a two-year-old. I should have just followed someone round, can around. Mm. I just can around. I went over the crossing there at seventeen hundred and shot at something, mm. and um, it was John Ox's, and it was a an expensive colt, and I wasn't letting it go, and I, I was hanging around the neck, and then next minute I'm around the front, and, um, and it trampled me, and um, it was actually funny afterwards because um, when they gave my silks back, I, I had black on my on my backside. It was mm. like black paint. And I smelled it. It was hoof, hoof grease. I got a nice old kick up the bum. It, was, it wasn't as good as my kick up the bum in Malaysia jail, but uh, <laughs> it, it was okay. Now, your troubles were not over yet. Early this year, you're riding a horse called Diamonds and Stones for Team Hawks at Kilmore. He's a short price favourite. He's your only ride at the meeting. This is an incredible story. On the day of the race, a mysterious tweet appears directed at the stewards and advising them that Noel Callow had been at a Richmond hotel the night before on the drink and on the drugs and would be in no fit state to ride the horse. You were shell-shocked. Yeah, I was disappointed with that one because I don't do social media. I'm, I don't know if I'm too old, but I just don't do it. I don't, a lot of the boys do and I, I hear them say, uh, oh, geez, they're going to be giving me on Twitter about that. I'm thinking, mate, who cares? Like... Don't read it, but I don't do it, and I was I was upset by that because I just turned up there to do my job for a powerful stable, and I'm not in a position to sort of I've got to be on my best behaviour when I ride for uh, John uh, Wayne Hawks and, and Michael, and uh, it's a privilege for me to ride for him, and I've been 
thrown this at me when I've done absolutely nothing wrong. Um, yeah, you know what, John, it pissed me off. I, I was I was very annoyed. The steward there on the day, um, uh, Matthew Williams, he gave me a hard time. Um, yeah, I understand they're doing their job, but you want to listen to gooses um, uh, over over me, okay? Uh, and they, you know what they did? They drug tested me. They alcohol tested me. They basically put the got the rubber glove out and, and put that where they shouldn't have. And uh, you know what? <laughs> I went out. And I sat one one on it and give it the best ride you've ever seen. Yeah. And I didn't mention it on TV because I didn't want to be disrespectful to uh, the Hawks team because, like I said, it's a privilege for me to ride for them. And um, I got in the car and I was still ropeable. And I rang a friend of mine, Bruce Clark, and said, "Can you put a rocket up these blokes' um, backside um, for me without getting me in trouble?" And he did that. Mm. Is that was that the straw that broke the camel's back? Was that Twitter episode? the main catalyst for your decision to quit Victoria and follow the sun to Queensland? 100%. Yeah. Mm. I was uh, – I'm not going to say I was uh, intimidated or bullied or anything. I'm a big boy. Um, yeah, I've made a million mistakes and I'll make uh, a million more. But, um, yeah, I wasn't I wasn't overly happy with, with that. It wasn't the – it was a straw. But, um, like I said, I'm still a licensed person, John. They've got a job to do. I've got a job to do. I'm happy in Queensland. Queensland racing seems to be on the brink of a mini boom, you know, especially on the Gold Coast where night racing uh, looks like being a reality. You know, Jeff Lloyd was winning Brisbane premierships in his late 50s. It seems to be the place for mature jockeys. The arthritis doesn't play up as much up there. No, it doesn't. And, and there's another one, Jeff Lloyd. What a star he is. He... he He'd be up there too. He's like his record is outstanding. He he dominated Mauritian racing for seven years. He rode for a guy called Philip Henry, mm. and that's without going to Singapore, winning derbies. Like, geez, I'd like to have quarter of his record. He's he's a champion. But um, yeah, yeah, maybe I'm following in Jeff's uh, footsteps. I didn't know that. I didn't really think of that. But um, mm. yeah, Queensland's uh, Gold Coast for sure is 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 on the rise. Uh, like you said, I, I think it'll be about eighteen months to maybe two years till they put the lights in here at the Gold Coast. Uh, mm. But um, the trainers that are coming here, you got Lee Friedman setting up. You got John Moore, a Hong Kong superstar trainer. Mm. Um, so the list goes on. Like they're they're getting bigger. They're building more uh, stables. Um, yeah, it's it's obviously they're going to run their second tiers at Gold Coast and then target Brisbane. But um, mm. I think it's exciting for for Ian Brown and um, Mr. Lyons to have uh, these these uh, people here, and um, I'm just glad to be a part of it. Have you ridden any work for Lee Friedman yet? Lee Friedman knows I'm no good at track work, and I know I'm no good at track work, so I just I ride him on race day. How about that one, John? <laughs> you know, when you were winning premierships and Group One races in Singapore. The punters up there called you King Callow, which must have been pretty flattering at the time. Now, you may not be addressed by such a lofty title in Queensland, but the local punters and owners and trainers are aware that you are a seriously good jockey. So it's all ahead of you, mate. Yeah, well, well like I said, Singapore was really good, but I'm not going to blow my own trumpet, uh, John. Um you can only steer what 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 cattle is put underneath you, and um, I rode for out of the top ten trainers. I rode, I got the pick of eight of them. So if you, if I didn't ride a winner, you'd be pretty pretty flat, wouldn't you? So I I, yeah. I had the I had the, the caviar, <laughs> uh, you know. So it was it was it wasn't easy, but I had the stock. You know what I mean? I, I had the yeah. stock. I was I, I, I could nearly do what I want. So um yeah, it was it was good, and and 
well, look at it was like Moreira when Moreira was in um, it was in Singapore. He did exactly the same. And actually, funny because I when I left Singapore, I wanted to go home and get my weight. I actually worked on TVN for about uh, six months with Bruce Clark, and mm. and I decided that I was no good at it, and the pay was shit house. So I decided <laughs> I'm going to get my hands dirty, and, and I'm going to have to be a jockey again. Aren't I? So I applied for Singapore again, yeah. and. Laurie Laxon put me on a horse in a group one. Anyway, the committee knocked me back, and I rang Laurie and said, what's going on? He goes, you've been knocked off at first base. The first base, Sung has, has, has cut you off here. So I rang Sung, and I said, Sung, I said, when I left, I sat in your office, and you said to me, um, if you ever want to come back, you just you can you can come back. Yeah. Um, just apply. And he said, yeah, but I didn't say you get licensed. And I said to him, you can get stuff. I said, no one will ever do what I did in Singapore. I broke all the records. I did everything. No foreign jockey will ever do what I uh, what I did. You know what happened, John? Mm. A bloke called Joe Moreira turned up about a week later. She's on flat. Mm. Yeah. That's <laughs> <laughs> a leveler. That's a leveler, John. Yeah, certainly. Yes. The, we'd never heard of Joe Moreira before he went to Singapore, and he's a superstar. He's, yeah. I've never seen a bloke do what he did in Hong Kong. They they no. got a weighted line there, and he's he, he's he's at the front of the line doing what he does. Like mm. fantastic, mate. I'm going to get off here before before you start uh, coming up with a few more. You got bad me going, memories. John. <laughs> yeah. Noel, it's been lovely talking to you. Sorry about the accident in the gates on Saturday. Sounds like you've escaped unscathed. Uh, you're away to a terrific start, 17 winners in eight weeks since arriving at the Gold Coast and plenty more to come. Thanks, John. Thanks for having us. Pleasure, mate. Noel Callow on a podcast produced by Supernova Sound. <laughs> <laughs>